They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is gonna be fun. Up we go. Into time and space! Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her co-host and husband, Philip Gilfus. Well, we've actually did a little bit of Doctor Who stuff this week, even though it was pretty busy. We put in our Matt Smith Blu-ray that we're slowly yes. rewatching. So we didn't see any extras, but we did watch Asylum of the Daleks, which I don't think you had watched in your previous rewatch. No, I hadn't seen last that in year. a while, yeah. So. I've totally forgotten about the whole random blip. Amy's a model, and she and Rory are getting divorced, and she can't have children. I missed all of that. Mm -hmm. All of it. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get the introduction of Jenna Coleman. Is this the first time we see her? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Mm -hmm. Because we see her in the Christmas special later. Right. Is that the second time we see her? Yes. Okay. Yes, as Oswin Oswald. Yes. Yeah, this is the one where they started doing mid-season breaks, right? So... Well, I'm not okay. <laughs> I don't know ten off the top of my head his whole series because he, of course, he had that special series. But at least, okay, with eleven, I'll rephrase. Just with eleven, he had his first series, which was a complete series, and then the Christmas special, and then we had second, which I think was also complete, and then you had Christmas, and this is the one where we're going to go Amy to Manhattan, and they're going to take the mid-season break, and then we'll have the Christmas special with Clara, and we'll start the second half of that season. With Clara now as the companion. Oh, okay. You know so do you think that they chose to do that so that they could change up companions? I don't know. I mean, you know, if anyone out there knows any mysteries of the Doctor Who yeah. series production. Yeah. Cause, I mean, I would say Matt kind of got, well, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't care. He still got paid. But I think Matt got screwed out of it sometime in the TARDIS because with these half I mean, Peter did too, to an extent, because they had a whole year without anything. Yeah. Just as now... Um, you know, uh, Whitaker or Jody isn't going to have a whole year or so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, chronologically, like if you put like a calendar year of when they were the doctors, they all had similar time. But if you start looking at episodes like we have before, it kind of dwindles down each doctor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. I'm also interested in like, why is it the writer's decision that Amy and Rory go? Is it. <laughs> The actors Karen saying, and Arthur yeah. saying we've got other things we want to pursue. Or just Karen. <laughs> Karen saying I'm off to be a Marvel villain. And Arthur's like, oh, so I guess I should start uh. looking for a job. <laughs> um, oh, he, turns he, out Chris he, Chibnall's got up. Yeah, that's right. And called me and left a message. Let me see what that said. And he went the DC route. Uh, with, oh, um, yeah, of course. Legends of Tomorrow. Thank you. Which I've never seen before. No, no, but we should do. Yeah, just to yeah, check Arthur. it out. Yeah. Yeah. We like to be supportive. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason we watch the Marvel movies, isn't it? So that we can support supportive. Karen. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel like that's no, right. No, that must be right. <laughs> so I think the, and Ant Man and Ant exactly. Mm. So also, I mean, not to get people sick of us talking about it, but still getting uh, Galley One approaching. Um, I started to fish some things out of my closet to put my stuff together mm-hmm. for what I'll be wearing and. I've, Start at least penciling in some scheduling and contacting people for potential podcasts. So, yep. And know. mom is sorting out the Dalek bumps. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, it's going to be sooner than we think because it's the 20th yeah. of January. We leave like the 12th or something, right? Of February. Something like that. 11th or 12th. What's today? The 20th. 20th yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's 31 days, but still. Yeah. 
So not many. I mean, I was just doing our calendar, our scheduling for this podcast release. You know, I think there's only three episodes left, counting this one. And so it's Galley. Yeah. We're off to LA. <clears throat> yeah, and then you guys who, who I'm quite nervous about this. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I think it's your first big con experience. Yeah. I've slowly eased you in with sort of regional local ones. And just small local ones, you know, because there's certainly big ones in North Carolina. And there's one yeah, in Charlotte like and Raleigh, Raleigh and Durham, yeah. I think. But, you know, so. Yeah. But, yeah. And I think I'm anxious about it. I don't do crowds well, yeah. so. But we'll have a hotel room to retreat to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the bar. Yeah. And we'll also have people we know, at least. You know, people we know in L.A. And yes, some absolutely. People we've Very met excited about that. Through doing this and other things that we'll meet. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I am excited. <laughs> About meeting people that you have met and I've heard a lot about. And mm-hmm. We exchange Christmas cards and things like that. And <laughs> now we finally get to meet them. Hooray! I finally get to meet them. <laughs> Is this going to be like when I took you to England and then did a poll uh, amongst my prove. British friends? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, because I, I, the one thing I look forward to, and you know whether it works out or not, who knows. But when i uh, doing the Star Trek podcast I do here on the Network City Alpha 3... Um, previously in our previous incarnation before we regenerated into City Alpha 3 in our previous Star Trek podcast we did in another network uh, we all ended up meeting a lot of us co-hosts ended up meeting in Star Trek Vegas um, I guess a few years ago at this point um, and that, but we did doing a live podcast it was a definitely interesting experience so where we just put the Blue Yeti microphone in the middle of the table there in our suite and turn the settings to surround sound and just, you know, everyone just sat across the table and you just do a podcast that way so are we gonna try yeah. something like that yeah, so, okay. yeah, so i've been contacting some people to see you know so that'd be fun yeah because i think it, you know not every day because we're gonna be there for like almost a week but maybe we'll have sort of three podcasts worth of content where we you know uh, or all four but like as far as days like you know i'm thinking off the top of my head thursday friday saturday you know we'll do a podcast thursday evening and then or Friday morning, or Friday, you know, just doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because I think those will be full days. You know, I don't know how much we'll go on Wednesday, but I don't think enough to talk about, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how sober I'll be at that point. (laughs) Well, maybe you'll finally be more entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) You funny man. Well, speaking of entertaining and starting new things, that will be our subject today. New beginnings. Yes. So you've watched, at this point, in, in your Doctor Who watching, you've seen all the beginnings of the Doctors, all the first episodes. You, know, you saw the very first episode of Doctor Who, of course, with Bill Hartnell, um, the first Doctor. Yeah. We watched the animated um, Power of the Daleks, I believe, is the second uh, Doctor's yeah, first yeah. time. And Spearhead from Space, the third Doctor's, the first color one, okay, um, yeah. where he uh, is getting chased on a bicycle and stealing cars and all that stuff um and uh the fifth doctor castrovalva if i'm saying that correctly where he's just looking for a room to chill out in the whole time and gets carried around in the oh yes yes <laughs> which is not really my favorite episode. people like that for some reason that's not my favorite but anyway um the sixth doctor strangling his companion perry yep. for the first time yep. the um, twin dilemma which to be fair is <laughs> you know i'd do that right and of course from there you've seen the movie Yep. And all of New Who. Yep. But the two you haven't seen is the two we're going to be talking about today. And that's going to be comparing two Doctors' first appearances and mm-hmm. how those worked out and the similarity and differences and all those wonderful things. So we'll be talking about four 
uh, the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, and seven, Sylvester McCoy's first outings as their respective Doctors. And so for the first one, I'll talk, do a brief synopsis here for Robot, and then you can do the brief synopsis for Time and the Ronnie. Okay. So for the fourth Doctor, Robot, which premiered 28 December 1974, trouble is brewing once again. Top secret plans are being stolen with their guards killed. All evidence seems to point to the culprit being a sentient robot created by a think tank. However, his basic programming prevents him from killing, providing a contradiction to the clues. At the same time, the doctor is recovering from his latest regeneration. Can he regain his senses and help Unit solve the case before time runs out? Dun-dun-dun. Right. Time and the Ronnie premiered the 7th of September, 1987. The Ronnie has returned after her last encounter with the Doctor with yet another malicious scientific scheme. Taking advantage of the post-regenerative trauma the recently regenerated and unstable Doctor is going through, the Ronnie hopes to achieve control of an approaching asteroid composed entirely of strange matter. Can the Doctor figure out he is being used for the Ronnie's evil experiment? And what is behind the door the Ronnie won't allow the Doctor pass? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. So, of course, that's all from TARDIS.Wiki, a synopsis. So, um, and let's just get started with the basics here. So, you know, like I said, you've seen them all at this point now, how Doctors react to regeneration of the War Doctor, too. And all that. Um, but anyway, so... Let's just go in order here. The fourth Doctor. How did you think he went with his regeneration from three to four? And Yeah, went properly <laughs> crazy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some Tom Baker crazy eye mm-hmm. um, through it, which is nice. We get the Jelly Babies. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, both of them, not mm-hmm. to skip ahead, sure. but both of them do fun costume changes. Yeah, which I always think was a fun part. Yes, sort of going in, and the fourth Doctor does it with random costumes. Right. And the you sort of get your, your uh, tried-and-true trope of a... Was he a Roman at one point? He's a Viking. A Viking at yeah. one point, yeah. Clown, sad clown. Sad clown, that's right. <laughs> and then Seven does a little bit of that. He, he does a Napoleon Bonaparte moment. He goes through the actual wardrobe. But the TARDIS yes, wardrobe. Yeah. Well, presumably so does four. Yeah. Because he keeps going back into the TARDIS yeah. and changing clothes. Mm-hmm. But he, but Seven tries on costumes from previous doctors. Right. Which is quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a nice hat tip that I really appreciated. Yeah. So I, was, I just like the subtle stuff, you know. When, when you see the new costume change of the Doctor, like, I don't just show every Doctor, but it's nice to just throw in a second Doctor coat or a, you know, bow tie or just something. Yeah. Just to be a little... Yeah, like, again, it's just a little <laughs> wink to... Because then they can be like, oh, well, this doesn't work, or this is, you know, whatever. Yeah. They're just saying, oh, this is not, not me anymore. And so, yeah, because I think with the fourth Doctor, his is, I mean, simple. I mean, the scarf aside, of course. You know, it's very simple. You know, it's just sort of a gentlemanly, you know, underclothes with a jacket over it. And a hat. Yeah. Yeah. This is the the first time I've noticed, anyway, that the scarf is used as much as it is. Mm -hmm. Does that, is that something that continues or? I think so. I mean, I don't think it's every serial. But yeah, I think it's more, well, because I think it's developed into an affectation. You know, obviously at the time it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a doctor that most people remember. It was just like, I don't know, we think it's funny. So, you know, just like 
the six and seven tend to use their umbrellas. You know, you give them something, they'll, they're they're going to use it. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So the, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So I think with seven choosing his wardrobe, I did like the reveal with that final one where he's wearing the second Doctor's little fur coat and then reveals his clothes underneath. And again, very kind of like four in a way, other than the scarf. It's very simple wear. Full of questions. Yeah, that's true. The question marks, the jumper, and all that. Doctor Who. <clears throat> yeah. But I thought both of them were sort of very... Because, you know, I think of, like, fives and obviously costume with the cricket gear. Yes. And then yeah. six. I mean, what what do you say about six? And You have all sorts of... Things <laughs> well, about the costume. I mean, like, at Mill at some point is like, it's hard to miss that doctor. And then, like, he changes clothes and that's why she doesn't know who he is. But I think they both sort of have sort of a simple wardrobe. I mean, it's still a little formal, quote-unquote, but... Yeah. Not as... Stylized. Not, not sports cash, but also not yeah. <clears throat> Oscars night. Yeah. I mean, even the third Doctor's a little stylized. Yeah. The fluff. Yeah, certainly. The, yeah. You know. Yeah, the frill. Mm-hmm. But I, to me, it, it seemed like the fourth Doctor did not have that much of a transition. I mean, he, like you said, he sort of went a little crazy, did his little exercise, and, and not knowing who took him a few guesses with Brigadier. But I'd say, like, if you did the timing, maybe five to ten minutes before he was yeah, who he was. He was good to go. And and I think with Seventh, they sort of fooled us. Or not fooled us, but they played it. Because I think he instantly knew who, what was, like, oh, you're the Ronnie. And then, and then basically gets knocked out and then drugged. And so I think that messed him up. Yes. And that's why it took him, like, two <laughs> like a whole two episodes to finally, or three episodes to finally figure out what was going on. But yes, which gives the Ronnie the opportunity to dress up like Mel. Which I thought was great. I didn't, I didn't know how to prep you for that, so I was like, I'm not going to say anything. So I was like, what did you think of that? I, I really liked it. It's a little I bonkers, thought, but... It, oh, it's completely bonkers. Mm-hmm. But it works, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of she's given him this drug, he's newly regenerated, she's got the, you know, she does a wonderful voice modulation mm-hmm. back and forth, which is quite fun to watch Mm -hmm. so yeah no i was okay with that i was good with it Mm -hmm. what did you think yeah it's um i was looking up the episode time on the ronnie i think i saw something where it's ranked as like the third worst doctor yeah no i mean look it's not great um, but I don't think it's the worst, or with you know the worst ever. Yeah, so. no, no I was, was all right with it. Yeah, I was less bored than I <laughs> have been for lots of others. So no, I wouldn't put it at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. So with the fourth Doctor, of course, we well both both the fourth and the seventh Doctor were same companions. We didn't hit any reset buttons. That's true. I mean, yeah. you know, in the behind the camera, there may have been. But as far as in front of the camera, yeah. we still had, you know, the fourth Doctor, it was still Unit, Sarah Jane, Brigadier, I mean, Benton gets a promotion, but everyone's still there. <clears throat> and then with the seventh Doctor, it's just Mel. I mean, that's Screamy, all. Screamy, quite shrill <laughs> Mel. Yes. She was very Perry in this episode. Yeah, that's why. In this series. I don't think the sixth Doctor's companions will help you. As Ugh. much as the sixth Doctor doesn't help me, so. Ugh, all the, all the shrill. Yep. But um, but yeah. So but the, other than 
glad huh. I quite like her. And I like the fact that she's a computer programmer or whatever. I don't think I remember <laughs> I that. I don't think I remember that either. And <clears throat> it's mentioned several times. Well, you're the expert in computers, Mel, and yeah. she's the one who figures out. So it's less Perry-like in that way. She does, you know, she has, has some demonstrable her, yeah, skills. She has her damsel in distress moments. At but no she time does she say, has, I'm confused. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. But then she has those moments of, right, I got this. How much do you think the companions in each one help the Doctor with the transition as far as reminding them who they are? You mean generically or with these two? Well, specifically. So, like, you know, with the Brigadier and Sarah Jane, you know, Sarah, you know, I, I there was an interesting thing where the Doctor, the fourth Doctor, I'll, let me be specific here since we're mixing things up. The fourth Doctor, upon his regeneration, is sort of like, okay, where's my TARDIS key? I'm out of here. Bye. See y'all. Nice to meet you. And Sarah's, instead of saying, you know, oh, you need to see what's wrong with you, she's like, oh, there's a case that we need your help on. Isn't that right, Brigadier? You know. Yes. Where previously she seemed uninterested, but this was a good excuse. Yeah. And, I mean, it's difficult particularly to say with Seven because you've got the Ronnie pretending to be Mel and then Mel shows up and the doctor's like, hey, you're the Ronnie and, you know, it... I think in that part, yeah, like you said, with the mix-up, but Mel's also saying, like, oh, you can't be the doctor because he's, you know, fair. These things, yes. Yes, yeah, certainly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, they have that I'll feel yours if you'll feel mine <laughs> moments of checking out heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't think he's the doctor, so isn't expecting him to have two heartbeats. He thinks she's the Ronnie, so is expecting her to have two heartbeats. And, yeah. And they reach across the table for each other's pulses. And it's interesting, and I'm not sure there's a right answer, but... Because with four... I think more or less, in my opinion, he just jumps into it in the role and it's just a story. Here we go. Yeah. There's not a lot of existential, who am I, where I'm, and, you know, and is that bad or good? But I think with Seven, he's he has that moment, who am I, I don't know who I am, maybe I am this kind of... Yes, I don't know what kind of personality I have. Yeah, yeah. maybe I am a grumpy old man or whatever. Or, or someone who's pouting or whatever yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. I did love the part where Mel throws him over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. That was a nice moment. Again, <laughs> I always like a companion who can fend for herself a little bit. Mm-hmm. They have some nice little fight moments that are lovely to see. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, there was a little tumble. She tumbles him and he tumbles her. Yeah. And, you know, so. I tumble for you. We be tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and there's probably more to say, but how about, so let's get to a sort of a meat of the question with these new First outing versus other outing, because I said this is the first time you're seeing these respective two first episodes. So let's go with the fourth Doctor. With his, with Robot, what we see him in this episode, how does that compare to what you've seen of the fourth Doctor? Do you see a lot of changes, or is this pretty much the character from the word go? I feel like he sort of hits the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, as we've always said, it's so difficult at any point, whether it is 1974 or 2019, <laughs> to differentiate Tom Baker from the Doctor. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, does he hit the ground running, or is this just Tom Baker being Tom Baker, and it stays that way the whole way, because Tom Baker? Yeah, I mean, that's, again, it's one of those back behind-the-scenes things. That I'm wondering, 
what I don't because I mean we hear these stories more in modern times, and I don't know. I'm sure people are still around, but you don't hear as much as far as casting. Like, who was in the room when they cast Tom? Or was it just John Nathan Turner or or whoever was running? Sorry. I don't think it was John Nathan Turner at that point. Sorry. But anyway, whoever was Barry Lutz or whoever the heck it was um, running Doctor Who at that time or BBC, you know, who cast them? And then what did they see? And then what were they going for? You know, going from John Pertwee, you know, what, mm. what, you know, they say, what, what, you know, it's always, you're getting what you didn't had, you don't want to what you had before. So what were they looking for? Yeah. I mean, obviously maybe more humor, but I mean, not that, that yeah. 3000 wasn't funny. But... No, but Pertwee was much more formal. Yeah. Almost. The gentleman, I don't know how to. Stayed. I don't, you know, uh, there are funny moments, but I don't picture Pertwee cracking the jokes. Mm-hmm. But he his would be more dry, right? Whereas the uh, fourth doctor gets a little bit more slapsticky, all over the place. <laughs> Not quite as far as two, mm-hmm. but you know, physical with his humor. Yeah, there were, not. There were two notes I wrote down. It's really just for the fourth Doctor. But one, he had that nose touch from the beginning of where he puts his finger against his nose. Because I think about in the 50th anniversary with the caretaker. And mm. he's telling you, you know, who knows indeed. And so, you know, that's sort of... Yeah, again, is it Tom Baker or <laughs> is it the Doctor? I don't know. Nobody knows. That's right. Well, like a little mystery. Um, <laughs> and then I also thought, I mean, this is to me, maybe people like this scene or don't like it in Robot. But I thought... If, as a writer, if you want a scene to show that it's the doctor, you know, that very, you know, the genius or this, you know, whatever, but you got to show it. I mean, we, you should, you don't have to. Ideally, obviously. yes. Um, but I thought it was the sort of when he confronts the robot in the house and he does all these little small things to try to beat the robot. And ultimately the robot, I think, knocks him out. But like he throws ball bearings, it doesn't work. And so then he tries to put a scarf around the pillars to trip and that, and that doesn't work. And then he throws a chain, and that doesn't work, and throws a hat. But, he, like, all these little things is trying to show, like, this is the doctor. He has ideas. He knows, you know, how to do these things. I mean, ultimately, the doctor, the robot, you know, plays possum and then knocks him out. But I, I thought it was, it was a very subtle scene where, like, you might think, like, well, this is just slapstick. Why are we doing this? But it's like, well, this is one of the sort of, you need that to show he's the doctor. The problem solver. Yes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it was one of those things that none of it, what he, what he does works out. But I think it's good to show that he's thinking. Always using the noggin. The f- Tom Baker and the Fourth Doctor, like you said. I mean, again, I'd be curious to know what direction, if any, was given. Because I know... Or if they just said, you do you, boo. I mean, I know in the later years he got to be Tom Bakery and did not was not known for taking direction. But anyway... <laughs> but this not is- even a little <laughs> bit surprised by this. But, but this is early days. But, the, but also, I mean, <clears throat> if you give somebody that much free reign... Yeah. And then years later try to rein him in... Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like a child. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if you wait until they're 11 to try to teach them any sort of manners, mm-hmm. you've, you've missed that boat. It is gone. Mm-hmm. And same sort of thing. If you're going to give somebody that much free reign, you can't. And I think that that was, you know, it's the same bit of trouble they ran into with Hartnell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I think it's an interesting beginning with the fourth Doctor because he has such a, this big supporting cast. You know, Sarah Jane, the Brigadier, mm. Benton. I mean, that's a large... But know, then they cut it almost straight away. Yeah, where, you know, and of course with the fourth Doctor, he would just have the single companion until the... In days with the 
kitty group that he'd give to the fifth doctor mm. so yeah i mean but i thought he's still and again because it's early days he played well with others at this point yeah 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 it didn't feel like a star vehicle no and then what do you think about the seventh doctor from what we saw you know obviously he's a little more confused there so you didn't only really get him until maybe the third and fourth or fourth episode there compared to what you've seen throughout the and i feel like he was freer in this than he is later on. Mm-hmm. He seems more <laughs> reserved later on. And maybe part of that's Ace. Mm-hmm. You know, she needs the professor, mm-hmm. whereas Mel doesn't, and that changes who he can be. But this felt very free. Yeah, and not that I know McCoy's background off the top of my head, but if I remember correctly, he comes from a comedic background. And so... I remember watching watching it this time. For some reason in my head, I thought he was a little more slapstick mm. in this beginning than he actually was. He really wasn't that slapstick. It was just more the the writing with the proverbs and the wordplay and all that, which you know settles down. I thought uh, it was really funny. Yeah, but yeah. It did get you get to a place where you're like, okay, we're running out of proverbs here. Yeah, um, and, and so I feel like for some reason I've misremembered that it was a whole lot worse than watching it this time. I'm like, oh, I mean, it is what it is, but it's not like overused or crazy yeah. but obviously i think he settles down he becomes more of a not again not that he was the clown this first outing but he a little more with a dry humor more of the uh i don't know what sort of uh, i'm trying to think of i don't want to say manipulator though he is accused of being that but just more of the thinker you know more yes. of the strategic yeah. and again more reserved yes. there's i when i picture him in my head with ace mm-hmm. it's always much more contained than right. what we saw this time of course he might have been unnerved because mel would not stop screaming (laughs) and let me tell you bonnie langford she has got a scream on her way better than perry's but just as obnoxious now to go back to robot and the fourth doctor i mean just generally we don't do the whole story Mm. i thought it was i mean what'd you think of just as the actual serial yeah it was an interesting idea about the humanity of the robot um, and, and of course, I picked this out um, as we were going through that it's very Frankenstein, mm-hmm. um, with the monster being portrayed as bad, even though it's not his fault, kind of thing, right. and ultimately having to be destroyed anyway. Although, you know, who knows if um, Frankenstein's monster's actually destroyed? All we see is him wandering the Arctic, or floating away. Yeah, yeah, floating away on the ice. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know. The, the comparison may stop there, but <laughs> but I quite like that as an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea that uh, I am who my creator made me. Um, I would like to be good, but you guys are making it real tough kind of thing. <laughs> so I liked it. I liked it. It had been a while since I had seen this, so I was actually had forgotten that the literal harebrained scientist actually turns out spoiler to be the bad guy yeah uh, well i guess brain. the conflicted bad guy if you want to put it that way yeah anyway. i was kind of sad about that and it was weird yeah like really if you're actually the bad guy don't sneak sarah jane in yeah or as soon as she comes in stick her in a cupboard or so you know yeah. that 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 didn't necessarily work for me that big that big reveal didn't feel like a big reveal mm-hmm. and i was sad about that but yeah. never mind Never mind. I thought he's gonna like, especially when he showed up. I thought he was gonna affect a different personality. Yeah, or but he was still something. just a, like a yeah, yeah. It yeah. didn't that that reveal did not work for me. Mm-hmm. But 
It's got Sarah Jane in it. I like Sarah Jane. Yeah, I thought it was. It was and a, she was friends with the BFG or whatever. The giant. You've got to read Monroe oh. All <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I've not read that, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yes, the so. BFG. <laughs> All our British listeners will know I exactly know. what I'm on about, and they're going to feel sorry for me because I married an idiot. Or it could just be Iron Giant there. Throw that in there. No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's the same thing as a destructive rope. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't like the fact that he was like, I'm going to destroy the world but save you because that doesn't sound like fun for anybody. No, no. Though you were a fan of the countdown. Oh, always. And we get them in both episodes. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing in the world is a good Doctor Who countdown that starts with number 3,482 <laughs> and slowly counts down from there. I've never seen anything like it, but every time Doctor Who has a countdown, it starts... L- ludicrously high. It starts <laughs> ludicrously high, yes. Yeah, and this one was 300, and I think the it got other reset. one... And then it gets reset, and I think the one in seven was like at 900, nine, I don't know, yeah. now I can't remember, but it was, yeah, it was it was insane. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that happens a lot in Doctor Who, ridiculously high countdowns. Yeah, and I'm trying to, because I thought the pacing, and again, without doing all the fourth Doctor in my head, I think the pacing tends to go a little faster at this era. Yes, it didn't feel, I didn't feel like I got a lull in one of the episodes mm-hmm. as bad as... I mean, it helps that you still had a good amount of characters, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you had a fair number of villains, because you sort of had the main woman villain, her yeah. assistant, then the doctor, not, not the that we knew about that, and the actual and robot, the actual monster, and then yeah. of course then you had Unit, the doctor, Sarah Jane, and then Harry. Yep. Who was undercover briefly, and yep. then not, whatever. Mm-hmm. Worst James Bond ever. <laughs> exactly. And then they called him, oh, oh, you called him, I think, James Pond. No, Sarah Jane. Oh, does she? Sarah Jane, yeah. And I was like, is that Amelia's dad? What's <laughs> not Pond, Bond. <laughs> oh, you're terrible. <laughs> Bees. <laughs> beads? <laughs> yes, bees. Well, speaking of bees and time in the Ronnie with the deadly bees. <laughs> yeah. In the disco ball. In the disco ball, <laughs> yeah. Bees in, in the, the disco, disco ball. ball. Sounds like a great rock band. <laughs> so what did you think of that generally? Um, yeah. It was okay. It, it lagged a little more. It did lag in places and there were, like, every time somebody ended up in a bubble, they exploded, except... Mel. when Mel ended up in a bubble. So and that, that was weird. I mean, that's a a, a counterexample to, to myself. Um, you know, when I cl- complain about Kerblam, mm-hmm. you know, here in Time of the Run, they start off with this, you know, nice, naive, innocent young girl, and they blow her up in the first, like, 15 minutes. Pretty bad. Blow yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, geez. Yeah, in a bubble. It's not yeah. dissimilar to yeah. yeah. I was I was wondering if we were doing a, a body count there. Yeah. Um, complete random side trivia: uh. these episodes do also have Wanda Ventham in them, and she is of course Benedict Cumberbatch's mummy. So there's that. Yeah, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I happened to see her name in the second round of credits, mm-hmm. and was like, hey. 
Look at there. Well, the fact that you knew her name, I thought, was pretty. I, I'm telling you, the amount of information in my head sometimes <laughs> is shocking. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I know that. That's that's some trivia that I happen to have in my head. I also know, and this came into mind whilst I was watching this as well, that Tom Hiddleston also plays the spoons. I don't know why I know this piece of information. <laughs> <laughs> no idea why this is in my head. <laughs> I don't even read gossip magazines. <laughs> I just know this stuff somehow via osmosis. Well, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, you did say there may have been a brief um, unwanted touching with the spoons and the Ronnie and the doctor. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And he's doing a fantastic job playing the spoons. It's fascinating to watch. You know, he's got his little, all his fingers going on and he's tapping on everything. And then I'm pretty sure he plays the spoons on Ronnie's boobs. So. Yeah. Well, maybe she turned when, or he just went crazy and then. And they just gave him a talking to, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Still, great, great what you're doing. Um, just be aware of actors. I, I kind of, in 1987, <laughs> I would almost guarantee that did not happen. Um, well, in fact, uh, if she said anything, I imagine that they would have told her to lighten up and smile more. I, I can't remember who she is. And I'm, this is bad. I surely should know who she is. I looked it up. She's, O'Hare or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, she's, something. you know, yeah. a person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I live, appears you know, to be. Yeah, you know, who's been in stuff. Yeah. Um, so I feel like she could get, get it with Kate O'Mara. Kate O'Mara. O'Mara, or, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. No, I'm Googling her and I'm probably going to get, uh, distracted by that <laughs> but anyway yeah, so uh, she's been in stuff yeah That's she's been in point. stuff yeah oh has spoken up on several occasions about her experience with the casting couch so she may actually have yeah, lots of stories pull punches not pull punches yeah so anyway we'll look at her later yeah <laughs> but yep. anyway. sorry yeah we don't mean to be googling while we're talking <laughs> but anyway yeah and and so um I don't know. In some ways, I thought, which is odd, because we have a difference of over a decade. Like, if you had not told someone the years for these, I wonder mm. if they would know which one was newer than the other one. Because I thought Robot, I mean, it, I can see how the robot in Robot looks kind of crazy, but it actually isn't. I mean, the arms are a little crazy. But, like... Fundamentally, I think it's a good robot. Yes, um, although there are some real issues with 1974 CGI. Yeah, I was reading about that. Apparently, they used the wrong color background or something that yeah. they were supposed to use, so the legs disappeared for a second. Yeah. Oh, no, no. oh and then they have the, the giant tank. The giant, huge, for real, 100% massively real tank. Massively huge, obviously, tank. Not a perspective trick. Um, and then when the giant grows to humongous proportions and then carries around Sarah Jane. That is 100% Sarah Jane. Definitely Sarah Jane. And not Jane. a doll. Not some with its little legs. Swinging in rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. But because like, I thought with Time and the Ronnie, like the makeup was fine with all the well with the i can't remember what the aliens were called but with the aliens in time of the ronnie their their makeup was fine Mm. the monster was a little crazy uh, or the monsters yeah i mean because the eyes were sort of independently googling yeah (laughs) although that didn't necessarily bother me because they also had eyes where their ears go and it it, all of that was required suspension of disbelief but it was definitely a Corian whales or wherever it was. Oh yes, it was definitely <laughs> Corian whales. Yeah. And and I don't know, it just seemed 
I don't know. I'm not saying, obviously, that the first that the Doctor's first story should be on Earth or anything. But I guess when you do, do it in an alien landscape, kind of its little effects can go a little crazy sometimes. And so I was like, nah, man, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it wasn't 100% distracting or anything, but I was just like, I feel like this could be tighter. Of course, you know, I think I was you know reading on TARDIS at Wiki that a lot of people's opinions, even involved in the production, were like, yeah, this is not our best work ever. So, Aww, but anyway. Yeah. I did not think it was that bad. <clears throat> yeah. So, and I, I mean, I think the, the Ronnie's interesting because, you know, there's a million... I mean, nothing against the master actor whose name I can't remember right now of this time period. But, like, I'd rather there have been more Ronnie stories than a million master stories. Cause I think and what, is this the last time we see the Ronnie? Just the twice. Wow. Yeah. Oh, she may come back at some point. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's, that'd be interesting for the 13th Doctor. I feel like instead of having to bring back Missy or all that talk... You know, although, re- dear God, bring back Missy. <laughs> but I'm saying you could, you know, have a Ronnie. Obviously, she'd be regenerated. Could be a he, could be a she. Who knows? Yeah. But you know, that'd be an interesting. Yep. And it would be sort of a tip. Of course, to... I know all the Time Lords were supposed to have died, but whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the Master <clears throat> didn't. So why in the world would Ronnie? Yeah. Um, it would be a nice tip to longtime watchers, but. Not be something that... Yeah, you have to research anything about it. Yeah, that new watchers would be put off by. And also, I think, would also be an interesting hat tip. Well, okay, I get this at this point. This is, it's not the first, because you have Susan, but one of the first prominent female Time Lords. Yeah. So, so it'd be interesting to play against the 13th Doctor. Yep, absolutely. Sure. I'm all for it. So, any final thoughts about your... Now that you've seen all the the Doctor's new... First introductions. Any of them jump out or any final thoughts about four and no, seven? No, I think it's it's always an interesting thing to do. And, and interest, it must be an incredibly difficult thing as an actor to play. Yeah, because, you know, you're, you're not, you know, how much you've looked at the prior, your predecessors or not, right? I mean, that's up to you, I guess. It's mm. all how you want to do it. And then whatever direction you're getting. And then, you know, whether it's the wardrobe or speaking to you as an actor or whatever direction you're getting or whatever the script's giving you or whatever. Well, and walking that line between making a character your own, but also remembering, I mean, it's not like you're taking over in a show run or anything. You've got to follow the footprints mm-hmm. in some way, um, even as you're making your own path. And that must, that's an interesting line to have to tread. Yeah. Well, with that, we will go into the TARDIS library. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. All right, into the TARDIS library, where we have another exciting Jessica book review. (laughs) Is that just my thing? We need your theme music. (laughs) I do need my own theme music jessica's song well i mean you can always go back to the theme from top gear (laughs) if all else fails i think it's interesting because today you do not have a doctor who novel for us i do not something a little bit different i have a non-fiction book Mm -hmm. um and i have this was one of my christmas presents from you because you're very clever and it the name of it is bernard who 75 Years of Doing Just About Anything by Bernard Cribbins. 
Yes, I, I do like the Bernard Who, sort of a Doctor Who there. Yeah. Um, this was released 11 October 2018. Do you have a synopsis you want to give um, or read or whatever? Well, no, I, I think it pretty much speaks for itself. This is... Maybe just for folks who don't know off the top of their head. Bernard Cribbins is... Bernard Cribbins... Doctor Who credits? Uh, yes, his Doctor Who credits. Um, he was in... He was in the Peter Cushing one. Yeah, the second one. He was one. in one before that, though, wasn't he? No, no, no. He? he was in the second Cushing, which okay. was uh, the Daleks 21, 50, 80, whatever that one's called. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, he portrayed Wilfred. Yes, but he he was in another episode as well, I think, before any of that. Now I don't remember. But, yes, and then was Wilfred in... Uh, as Donna's grandfather, mm. and the reason, ultimately, that 10 regenerates to 11. That's right. He will knock three times. That's right. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. Oh, I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that really, when I started the book, was all I knew about him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a real joy, first of all, buy this book and read it. It <laughs> is such a delight. Um I suspect, by the way that Mr. Cribbins talks in the book about being a technophobe, that this was something that was recorded. Well, he has a co-author, so I figure. Oh, does he? Yes, Mr. James uh, Goss or whatever. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I strongly suspect that this was something that he just talked into a microphone and... um, the co-author made sense out of it because it has got his voice down to a T. James Hogg. Sorry. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, it is so delightful from beginning to end. I can hear his voice reading it out loud to me. It just, it's so much fun. Um, and it's basically just his 75 years as a jobbing actor. Mm. And, you know, starting out when he was 15 or something ridiculous, uh, doing uh, rep theater and going on. I mean, he's still working. It talks about him uh, recording comedy songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, which then we went on to YouTube and Googled because we needed to know more about that. <laughs> right In, said Fred. Uh, I was just going to say, interestingly enough, he had a song called Right Said Fred, and when those two bald guys who were too sexy for all their things were thinking of a band name, <laughs> they got it from that song. <laughs> he recorded in Abbey Studios with the same people who would go on to help the Beatles make their albums. (laughs) Um, It's absolutely insane. And, of course, British people will know him from the thingy bob, the the, the couple couple of places, the Railway Children, which I don't know at all, and the, is it the Wombles? Yes. Is that right? Yes. And uh, where apparently he was all the characters in the Wombles. <laughs> and of course, I lived in England for 11 years, but I wasn't a child there, so I didn't get any of this. And the Jackan, oh, and not the Jackanory, just Jackanory, mm-hmm. uh, where apparently celebrities would sit and read books okay. to the television. And so he did Joey that recently did one. I forget what the show was for, but she okay. did, did a little Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's absolutely, it's so much fun. I loved it. Every word on the page, it just was 
lovely. What was, because I know there's so many, I don't want you to spoil it for the readers, what was maybe your favorite or your most surprising bit about him? Oh, I don't know. He was in Anything Goes Okay. Oh. with John Barrowman. He yes. was just beginning to make his start, mm-hmm. which I found quite interesting. Mm-hmm. He was a paratrooper okay, yeah. in the Army and uh, was stationed in lots of different places. He talks about that. He met his wife very young. They've been together for ages. He's a fisherman. Mm-hmm. He likes to be a fisherman. Uh, one of my favorite bits, and it, it, again, it's the, the tone and the voice, uh, but he's talking about... Um, the picture he it turns out he's a very good shot he mm-hmm. discovers this in the army um, and as a paratrooper he didn't have to spend a whole lot of time apparently on shooting but when he was learning how to shoot it turns out he was very very good at it and he won an award and he just says you know I've got a picture around here somewhere if I can find it it'll be in the book <laughs> and then you go to the middle section with the pictures and he's like look I found it <laughs> that sort of thing is just so wonderful and I just I I loved him as Wilfred and it he has just gone up a million times in my esteem and I already loved him. I think so that's another one of those. I'm hoping that maybe he'll show up at Gallifrey. <laughs> um, but he's another one of those actors who of course comes from well I don't know if he comes from but at least it has the comic chops that's certainly what you, you get with, with Bernard mm. but obviously as Wilfred as other characters but very dramatic of course you know that whole not even not even the last part with the end of time but even before that when the, the last proper episode of, of Tenet's run um, as in not a special is what I mean you know when it's in the rain and Wilfred's asking where he's going to go or who he's going to be and that he'll he'll you know think of him or whatever even though Donna can't she's lost her memory so it's this very dramatic moment so yeah yeah oh yeah I mean he's done it all though mm-hmm. all of it <laughs> and he's worked with everybody and he actually lists, and this is the only thing that let me down a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's the only thing that let me down. Uh-huh. Is that uh, he lists as one of his favorite doctors, Peter Cushing. Yes. And yes. I refuse to accept that as as, <laughs> Can as, it, or as existing. It, as, ex- as existing. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also mentions, and I'm, I'm not telling the whole story, mm. so by all means, still read the book. That um, David and Georgia Tennant named one of their children Wilfred, <laughs> which is very sweet. Yeah. Aww. So go read it. All right. For next week, we're going to have another surprise topic that we will be thinking about as we get ready for Galley 1 and think about um, all things Doctor Who without the 13th Doctor on the air. Absolutely. So TBD. TBD. <laughs> That's right. So if folks want to talk to you about your favorite Doctor Introduction, where can they reach you on the internet? They can find me at One Phoenix Theater. And if they want to talk to me about my favorite doctor choosing their wardrobe scene, they can find (laughs) me at NC Public Servant. Well, until next week, enjoy watching, reading, and listening to the Doctor's Adventures throughout Time Time and and Space. This is BBC Television.